This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. We are continuing today in a series that we have called The Best Of. Uh, the best of was an opportunity for our church a few weeks ago to vote on their favorite sermon series that we hit since the fall of last year. And we're in the third week, um, wh- probably the second largest vote getter. And, and I think maybe the most significant series that we have done in the last year because... In the context of this series, I heard more stories coming to me of people who have legitimately made very difficult decisions to step against the current and follow Jesus. The series that we're going to hit today is called Margin. And just to give you a little taste of why we need this, let me ask you a series of questions. How many of you wish there were about 27 hours in every day? How many of y'all? All All right. How many of you guys say, I wish there was just a little bit more money at the end of the month? I get to the end of the month, we ain't going out to eat for two weeks. Kids, you guys, y'all taking your lunch to school, leftovers, because we don't have right... How many of you guys would say today, man, uh, just in the way I'm living, the lifestyle that we're living at home, I am stressed and stretched. Who's that in the room? You see, hands up everywhere. Are you stressed? Are you stretched? And hands up everywhere. You see, that's the world that we live in today. We live in a marginless society. And to give you a a working definition, a a concept to frame what margin really is for you, um, Andy Stanley did a great work on this. His definition of this, of what margin is, is the amount that's available beyond what is necessary. The amount that is available beyond what is necessary. For us, I'm just going to kind of break it down and simplify that. Margin is the difference between what you have and what you need. If it takes you 20 minutes to get to work and you leave 30 minutes early, you have 10 minutes of margin. If you have $2,000 regularly coming in and about $1,700 of regular expenses each month, you have $300 of margin. But how many of us would say, if it takes me 20 minutes to get to work, I leave 20 minutes early. Who does that? Who does that? I'm, I do that. If it takes me 20 minutes to get to work, I leave 15 minutes early sometimes. Right? Get you in trouble too, won't it? Because margin is something that 
our culture has overlooked the importance of. You see, margin is that. Leaving early for the meeting because I know it's going to take 40 minutes, so I'm going to leave 20 minutes early because when I get to the meeting, it's very important that I not be stressed when I get there. Margin is knowing that right now we're paying about all of our regular income is going out in expenses, and so we look at our cable bill and go, we don't need that, we don't need that. We can cut our cable bill in half and create $100 worth of margin a month. Margin is... Knowing that if I get into this certain circumstance or if I get close to this boundary or behavior, I'm going to cross the line and step into sin. Margin is something that protects you. It protects your heart and your emotions. And most of us are living without it. And the sad thing about where we are when it comes to margin is that the best things in life, the best things in life are found in the margin. The best things in life are found in the margin. I made this statement when we went through this series, I think that many of us, our friends and our family, are going to get to the end of our life and look back and feel completely ashamed that we spent so much time pursuing that which doesn't matter. Because the best things in life are found in the margin. I'd like to look at a passage that was very central to us. And it has been one of those passages that for me has really reshaped my understanding of what God would want from me as I walk through life, step by step, moment by moment. It comes out of Luke 10. So to set this up, Jesus has some friends. All right, we get several different vignettes of his interaction with these people throughout Scripture. They're all kind of really one of those things that you think this should be like soap opera material because it's like this is a crazy family. Like it really is. And Jesus has become friends with them. Most people believe that in this little community that this family lived, Jesus either had a friend who had given him a place to stay or he had something that was a place that he could make camp because he frequented that area. And in Jesus' day, one of the most significant things that you could ever do as a friend or as someone that was an acquaintance or getting to know somebody was to step out and to go eat dinner with them. It was significant to ask someone over to dinner or to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to come over to your house. 
because the level of friendship and intimacy that in those days was experienced when you sat down to eat together was unparalleled in friendship. So in this passage, Jesus is visiting his friends, Martha and Mary. We're going to read Luke 10, beginning in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Again, describing the scriptures telling us of this great intimate relationship that was there, this friendship with this family. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So in this moment, Martha is not unlike many of us. Jesus came over. And I'm going to be honest with you, if Jesus showed up at my house right now, I'd be doing some dishes. And that's exactly what we find Martha doing. Like the house is a mess, and she knows who Jesus is. She's so very aware of the magnitude of him. At one point, her brother passes away, and she says to Jesus, if you'd have been here, it wouldn't have happened. And so she gets the gravity of God himself in the flesh sitting in their home. And she gets busy cleaning up. You ever had those surprise visitors that come over? You didn't know they were coming, they just ring the door. And they're friends, and you don't want to say it. The house is a mess. The kids just threw up all over the white carpet, <laughs> right? It's going to smell like cat pee when you came in. I don't know why. We can't find it, right? You, it happens. It does. And so Martha's in that moment. She's in that moment where it's, I, I didn't, oh, I, Jesus, come in, but, ah. Oh. And her sister Mary, the Bible tells us that the entire time Jesus is there, she's just sitting at his feet. While her sister, her sister's up walking around, right? Her sister's doing all the, the important work, right? Because Jesus is there. Let's read on. In verse 40, Martha comes to Jesus. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Sound like a bunch of kids, don't it? That's your joy. No, it's your joy. Right. And, and really, for many of us, okay, for many of us, that is exactly where we would be. There's so much preparation that needs to be made. There's so much that needs to be done. But God, what is she doing? She's just sitting there. I got dishes to do. And she's, she's probably the reason I got most of these dishes anyway. She ain't helping me out. She's just sitting there. And I, I want you to watch how Jesus deals with Martha. In verse 41 and 42, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen 
what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, in life, Jesus did not say, what you're doing is bad. He didn't say that doing the dishes and sweeping the floor and putting out the nice dishes in China and arranging the placemats in the right way, that's not bad. But Mary chose what's better. So here's some things I see from the text. It's easy to get distracted with good things instead of the best things that Jesus has for us. It's easy to become distracted with good things instead of the best things that Jesus has for us. And when it comes to margin, there's an old saying that we see has great applicability in this passage. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't, but there's an old saying among preachers that if Satan can't get you to do something that wrong, that's wrong, he will just get you to be busy. If Satan can't get me to fall, Satan will just get me busy. And in this moment, Martha is busy doing good things. All right, let's not call doing the dishes or those other things wrong, but she's busy, and Jesus says, your sister chose the best thing. And it can't be taken from her. You see, over and over and over again, we come back to the statement that God has a plan. And then we have a plan. And we have to choose to say, God, if you say it's best, it's best. Because I might in my heart think, this is the best thing. But if God tells you something else is best, it's best. Look at this verse out of Romans 12. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. That means that when our lives are inspected, when we still ourselves and say, God, come and search me, our lives should look vastly different than the people that are in our culture just going through life. Because if you want what's normal, do what normal people do. But I'm pretty sure that most of us in here don't want what's normal. In your notes, the next thing that's in there is that when we choose the better thing over the good thing, it cannot be taken from us. When we choose 
the best thing, the better thing, over the good thing, it cannot be taken from us. And I will tell you that I have seen men weep in my office as they have lost their job that they have sacrificed their families for for decades. And their company downsized. And they were the first to go. You see, it wasn't that working was a bad thing, but it wasn't the best thing. And they sacrificed their family for a career, and evidently, in the end, they couldn't keep that career. But see, when we choose best things, we can keep those. Because Jesus tells us in that passage, Mary chose what is better, and it can't be taken from her. The reasons that we need to examine the margin that we live with are extensive. But many of us are not living with a lot of margin in our lives. And when margin starts to decrease, what happens in our life is that stress starts to increase. When margin decreases, stress inevitably begins to increase. Not only that, but when margin starts to decrease and we get busy, stretched, spent, it lends itself to making us not just stressed and spent, but separated because low margin reduces relational intimacy. It pushes us away. We're so busy doing and doing and doing that we're not investing into relationships. And we see that in this moment with Martha and Mary. Mary is at the feet of Jesus. She's chosen the best thing. And Martha is separated and not experiencing what Mary was. So what do we need to do if we're going to create and increase the margin that is happening and existing within our lives? The first thing that I would encourage you with is this. That if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. If you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. Because what's normal in our culture? Broke is normal, isn't it? It's normal to get to the month, the end of the month, and have spent a little bit more money than we earned. As a matter of fact, study shows that Americans, on average, spend about 130% of their income. That's absurd. Normal in our culture isn't just being broke and stretched and having no time for anything that matters being booked from the time I get out of bed until the time I... Normal is also to live in relationships that are broken. To not be finding satisfaction in our families and in our marriages. The truth is, is that If you want that, 
If you want what's normal, just do what normal people do. But if you want something different, perhaps if you want the life that God would intend for you to have, get comfortable with the fact that that means that you're going to have to make some big adjustments. And as we went through this series, we talked about some major, major adjustments that needed to happen to our lives. And in just a moment, we're going to do that. I'm going to invite my wife to share something with you guys. Because margin is a big decision. It's a grand decision that you make as a family, as, but it is sustained through what Amanda is going to talk to you about. Amanda, you can sit down over there. One of the things that I think that I've learned this week, and this week has been uh, life-changing for me, um, is going back to the scripture with Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary made big decisions to follow Jesus, and that was the great, that is a great decision. But in the difference was that they made little decisions that made all the world of difference between the two. Um, you know, Mary chose a great thing, and so it was in a little decision that she made to follow Jesus, but just be in his presence. And so, again, as you guys know, I was in a wreck um, last Sunday going to church. Um, it's, it's very hard and humbling to admit that um, that wreck was my fault. Um, it was something that out of little decisions that I had made, those little decisions made a big impact. And I think that's the thing that God taught me is that we sometimes coast through life and a lot of times we think these little decisions don't make a big difference, but they do. And that's where we create margin. And so it was in those little decisions that made a big difference. And I could have a different story this morning but it's important for me to share with you that it's in those small decisions. It's in those little decisions that you think are insignificant, that don't matter. Because my story was a lot of little decisions that seemed insignificant at the time and clearly made a big impact. And so that's the one thing I think I took away from this week. And the one thing that I think is important when you're creating margin is that it's, just, it's not just in the big decisions. It's in the little decisions we make. That's good. That's good. So let's take a moment and start and, and kind of walk through together. What are some of the small decisions, the moment-by-moment decisions that we make that we need to process and think through and ask God about? Because if we're going to live with increased margin, we, most of us would say right now, big decision, yes, I want margin. I'd love to have more money at the end of the month. What are you talking about? Not being stressed? Have more time? Yes, I want that. But we have to let the decisions begin to play out practically, and that is in exactly what Amanda said with small decisions. So let's look with the, the term that we used in the series was scheduled margin. So the margin that exists in the way that our time is booked. The first thing that's in your note is that we need to start asking the right question. Because I say this frequently, that if you ask the wrong question, you'll always get the wrong answer. 
If you ask the wrong question, you'll always get the wrong answer. And most of us, when it comes to our schedules and how our time is being spent, we're simply just asking, can I do this? Can I? Can I make it happen? Can I squeeze this in? But the first thing in your notes down there is this. Start asking the question, is this wise? Is this wise? And I would frame it for you this way. I would say, in light of, is this wise? So our family has made a decision to save money over the next three or four months so that we can have a down payment on a car so we get less of an interest rate. So in light of the fact that our budget is put at that standard right now, is it wise for me to drop $200 on some Vera Wang heels, right? Is that wise? Right. Do you see what I'm saying? In light of the fact that I know Wednesdays are very difficult for my family, is it wise for me to schedule an appointment in the evening? In light of the fact that my wife works late on Fridays, is it wise for me to schedule something Friday night? In light of the fact that we do not have any money at the end of the month, is it really wise for me to schedule a nice dinner with my wife on the 25th instead of the 5th? Is that wise? See, most of us are asking, can I? And the real question that we need to be asking is, is this wise? Because the second thing under there is that we must learn to say no to many good things so that we can say yes to the best things. We must learn to say no to many good things so that we can say yes to the best things. You see, as that situation unfolds with Martha and Mary, most of us are sitting back watching the movie and thinking, that Mary, she's lazy. That girl, she probably doesn't ever clean the house. Her room probably is a disaster area. I don't even want to think about seeing her room. But you want to know something? We don't know that. We don't know whether she was clean or dirty. We know that in that moment, she was willing to choose the best thing and to say no to a good thing. And there's a lot of things that when we start to really get down to it and look at how our life is being spent, we probably, when we analyze our time and the way that we're scheduling and booking ourselves, would probably look back and say, you know what? That's good. That's good. I'm, I mean, Stamp It Up Club is good, right? I like making some stamp stuff. I don't know what they make at Stamp It Up Club. Maybe some stationery, right? I don't know. That's good. Awesome. I love it when people that go to those stamp clubs give me stuff because it's like, I got nice cards to mail somebody now. But but when I'm, I'm, I'm already booked and stretched, is it wise? Because I might need to say no 
to Stamp It Up Club so that I can say yes to spending time with my family. I might need to say no to going and hanging out with the boys two times a week so that I can be at home and take care of my kids. I might need to say no to that shopping trip that I do every Saturday morning with my girls because my husband needs my support at home. We need to say no to some good things so that we can say yes to the best things. Moving on. Moral margin. The issue of moral margin is that many of us in our lives get too close to the line that we have drawn between what is right and what is wrong. And again, this is one of those situations where we need to ask the right question. Because in Ephesians 5.3, the Bible tells us that there's not supposed to even be a hint. There's not even supposed to be a hint of immorality in our lives. That's the standard that God paints for us. And many of us are asking the question, how far can I go before it becomes a sin? If you keep asking that question, you always get the wrong answer. The question in moral margin is this, is how do I, in knowing that there is something that is dangerous for me, that is difficult, that is tempting, something that I find that when I get close to it, it has a gravity that sucks me into it. How do I combat that? How do I, do, how do I increase the margin between me and that thing? The answer lies Simply in this verse, Deuteronomy 6, 5. To love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, mind, and with all your strength. To give God everything. To give God, the answer isn't to say, how close can I get to something before I cross that line? I just did it, Uh uh-oh. How That's not the right question because that question is always going to give us the wrong answer. The ultimate question is, does God own you? Like how much, how are you compartmentalizing your life and saying, God, you can have this part, but on this part, I want to see how far I can bend it before it breaks. Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Give God everything. And stop asking, how close can I get? Start running the other direction. And the last thing was how do we create financial margin? Because every single one of y'all said you wanted more money at the end of the month. And can I give you a hint or something, if you had more money at the start of the month, you'd still have that problem. Because the problem isn't how much money you have. The problem is how you use the money you have. Do you get that? The problem is not how much money you have. The problem is how you actually use the money that God is trusting with you. And So I want to read a very short passage out of 1 Timothy. 
1 Timothy starting in verse in chapter 6 starting in verse 6 but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it but if we have food and clothing we will be content with that People who want to get rich fall into temptation and trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That passage begins, just leave that up there. Godliness with contentment is great gain. This is the Apostle Paul writing young Timothy who is his apprentice in ministry. And as he's closing out the letter, he writes a little bit about money for him to learn and to grow as a steward. And he drops that statement in there. Godliness with contentment is not just good, It's great gain. That's a big win. If you can be content with what God has given you, that is a great, huge gain. And then he begins to explain what happens because many have wandered from the faith with the lust and longing of more money, and he ends that statement by saying it has pierced them with many griefs. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So how do we then begin to create financial margin in our lives? First thing is pray about how you spend your money. How many of y'all have ever stopped and looked at your cable bill and thought, that's just way too high? I have. How many of you have sat down and prayed about it and said, God, do we need this? I'm not talking about complaining. Like it's high. I'm tired of paying $215 a month for cable. But sitting there and actually saying, God, that's a lot of money. Should we be spending that much money? Is that where this money that you've trusted us should be going to? Look at my cell phone bill and it's high. Pray about it. Is that where your money is supposed to go? You have a big impending purchase. There's something that you want. Here's a bit of advice. Put a time limit between the time that you want it and the time that you'll allow yourself to buy it and pray about whether God would let you have that thing. Give yourself two weeks. God, I really want them very wearing shoes. They're screaming my name, and I know it's $200. But I think you want me to have them, God. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait my two weeks, and then I'm going to go buy them.
pray about how you spend your money. Ultimately, the way that we create financial margin is by putting God first in our finances. The ultimate way that we create margin all the way across the board is by putting God first. In Malachi, the Bible invites us to give to God 10% of what He has blessed us with as a statement of our faithfulness to Him. God, You gave it to me. You have a plan. It's 10%. I will give it back to You. Because this, and I said this during this series, and I'm going to say it again, and I want you to get this. Because I don't want something from you. I want it for you. That God can do more with your 90% when you're faithful than you could ever do with your 100%. God can do more with your 90% when you're faithful to Him than you could ever do with your 100%. And many of us get to the end of the month. We write out all of our checks, and I got to pay the power bill, I got to pay the rent, I got to pay this, I got to pay that. And then after that, we look at our checkbook and go, Well, I know I was supposed to pay a tithe, but I'm, I'm really going to. I'm going to give this much money because that's all that's really left over. I'm going to be honest with you. Last week, I got an email from someone that's in our church. This is profound, folks. Listen to this because she gets it. She said, I've been trying to teach my daughter to tithe because she makes a little bit of money doing chores. And this month, this week, my refrigerator went out. Completely out. And I don't have enough money to pay my tithe and to buy my refrigerator. But I know that God called me to pay my tithe first. So I'm going to do that. And if we have to eat off of an ice chest for the next week before I get paid again, we'll do that because I'm going to be faithful to God's plan. Because at the end of the life, end of the life that we live, we will look back and either we will have lived it for good things because the refrigerator is a good thing, folks. I like mine. I hope you like yours. Or best things. Because when you tell your daughter, we give first 10% and I'll show you how it's done. And you stand and for a week you eat out of an ice chest because you can't afford to buy a refrigerator. That's the best thing. That's the best thing right there, folks. So let me ask you some questions. Are you choosing good things over best things right now? Are you choosing good things over best things? Where are you? Maybe you're like Martha and you're just busy and you're really hectic in life. And it's not that everything in your life is wrong or bad or even sinful. It's probably good, but is it the best? Because ultimately the question that we all need to answer, the question that leads to margin is, is God first in your life? Is God first? Is He first in the way that you schedule and allot your time? 
Is he first in the way that you balance yourself morally? Is God first in your finances? Is God first? Let's pray. God, today, for many of us, the challenge to live with margin is absolutely huge. Because we sit back and go, I can't, I don't even know how I could do that. I don't even know how I could take the next step to live with that. But God, by your grace, you have invited many of us into brand new lives that have increased the margin that we're living with. So today, God, remind us that margin ultimately is created because you're first. You become first in our finances. You become first in the way that we live and the way that we navigate and ultimately the way that our time is spent. God, you become first in everything. So nobody looking around, let me ask you a a simple question. I just want you to think about it. I'm not going to ask you to respond to it right now, but is God first in your life? Is God first in your life right now? Is God first? Is Jesus the highest priority that you have? Or is your job first? Are your kids first? Are your friends or is having a good time first? Or is there something else that is dominating your life? How many of you would say right now, God is not first, but I want him to be. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? God is not first, but I want him to be. That's a lot of hands. Is there anybody else? God is not first, but I want him to be. For God to be first, you have to submit to him. It's just that simple. So I want to pray. Out of those that just raised your hand, how many of you would say, I realize that God is not first, and I want him to be first, and I'm willing to do anything that it would take? Raise your hands if that's you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let me pray for you guys. Father God, thank you for the challenge and the call. Thank you for the opportunity to live with you and in your way and following you and doing what you would ask of us. God, thank you that you don't leave us alone. And so today, God, as many of us have recognized that we're living lives that are not putting you first, God, whatever that idol is that has denied the true knowledge of you in our lives, strike it down for your glory. And let us really walk out of here a testimony of your grace and love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. How about a hand clap for those people that just made that decision? That's awesome.